during the global pandemic, um, the purpose of a brand was kind of thrust into the spotlight as consumers shifted how they spend, where they spend, and why they spend. But what exactly is brand purpose? Welcome to WWD Voices, where we share the latest fashion, apparel, and retail industry insights. Welcome, I'm Arthur Zakowitz, host of WWD Voices, and today, as part of the Retail's Responsible Reset series with Accenture, we're talking with Jill Kramer, who's Accenture's Chief Marketing and Communications Officer, about reinvigorating brand purpose. Jill, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Arthur. It is great to be here on one of my absolute favorite topics, so I am, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So, you know, it, it seems we're hearing more and more about, you know, brand purpose, uh, I think over the past earnings call, I, I've probably heard it about 14 times. But the concept is not really new. When you hear brand purpose, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, I think there's good and bad in the fact that we're hearing more about it, right? I mean, the fact that people are regrounding themselves and their businesses in the why, why do we exist, is a great thing. The, the, maybe the flip side of that is you don't want it to lose its meaning. And I think that's that's the danger. So it isn't a new concept. I think the attention it's getting and the attention people are paying to it is what is new. And that also is what gives us the opportunity to make sure that we are doing right by purpose and that we are treating it in the way it should be treated. Otherwise, it will it will lose its meaning. And I think that's what I, I know in marketing um, but also as business leaders, that's what we have to hold ourselves accountable to. And so when you say lose its meaning, you mean lose its value when you're actually putting it into practice, right? Absolutely. Um, if you, you, when you are embarking on assessing or creating your company's purpose, make sure you're anchoring in what purpose really should be. And to your point, the value it should create as you take it on so that you have a very strong North Star. So so how are consumers and employees, store associates, uh, you know, product managers, whatever, uh, how is it, um, how are they impacting this rising interest in, in brand purpose or like over time? Uh, and how, it, how has brand purpose evolved? Well, I think that um, the way they're impacting it is by co-creating it with the business and the business leaders. The businesses that are really focusing on purpose in the right way, have their the people that work in their business, the clients or customers that their business serves, the communities in which they exist, they have them all as part of the process. And, you know, one of the things that's key about purpose is it has to be tied to the value you create as a business. It can't be confused with general, general CSR, Right. You need to really say this is unique to us because it is so closely tied to what we do every single day and even how we make money as a business. That's where the authenticity comes from. And that's why the people who work in your business will be able to believe it and be able to prove it day in and day out. And that's why your customers will experience it authentically day in and day out. So, so it's funny you mentioned CSR. So it's it's not like a chapter in the the CSR handbook. That's getting dust somewhere, right? 
Exactly. And, you know, a, a purpose should be inextricably tied to the value you create as a business. It should be pretty significantly evergreen. It's not something that changes, um, you know, at every moment in time. We know things in business and things in the world are changing more frequently and faster than they ever have before. A purpose and that North Star, it, it's grounding. So it has to be something that will be true today tomorrow and in the foreseeable future. Okay. So I'm a retailer, let's say, and, you know, I realized uh, after listening to you discuss this, that I really need to reinvigorate my own brand purpose uh, or even create one in this kind of new environment that we're in this new landscape. What's the first step? How, how do I do it? What's, what's involved? Well, Oh, there's so much involved. It is not a small undertaking, Arthur. I think that's the first thing that is is to recognize that. And it is not an under it's not something to be taken on alone. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about my my experience with that here at Accenture um, to maybe make it relate to any any business leader or marketing or communications leader in any in any business. The first thing is take it on in concert with your business strategy, right? We just said that it's it's tied to how you create value as a business. So what is your business strategy? Reground yourself in the value your business creates. That cannot be done without the leadership across the organization at the C-suite level. I was very, very lucky that not only our CEO, but the entire leadership team was leaning way in when we did this here at Accenture. So that's a critical part. Another critical part is listening and learning from your people and from your clients or customers. Your people will, will tell you what is real and what you like you want to talk yourself into. They'll keep you very honest. And your customers will tell you what's believable. So um, if you anchor yourself in strategy, you're doing this with and as part of the true leadership of the business, of the company. And if you listen to your people, and you listen to your customers, you're going to be in a really, really good place to build and recognize your purpose. It should not be something that is like, wow, I didn't see that coming. It should be right there in and of your DNA. But when it crystallizes, it should just be so clear and so true. When, when you say listening, you mean like active listening uh, and not just like an assessment done once, it, it's ongoing, right? Exactly. We did, you know, when we took on our uh, our purpose, we surveyed all at the time, probably close to 600,000 people in the organization. We wanted them to have a voice. But then we also used a team that regularly engages with people of all different roles and responsibilities in all different parts of the world as we were working. We brought things to them. We asked for input. We asked for reaction. Um, so they were a continual part of the process as we went through, and it keeps you very grounded. It it maintains your um, your commitment to them that what comes out of this exercise is something they can live and embody every single day. And and you need the support of the C suite to make it work, right? Absolutely. I've talked to so many people, and I you know in my previous career uh, at, at ad agencies you can tell when there's not that involvement. And I always feel such compassion for the team who's trying to work at it because they're so passionate about it and they bring it forward. And one of two things happens, either there's a complete disconnect or 
there's kind of a passing by, sure, that's great. And either one is going to lead to uh, trouble with trying to live that purpose every day. When they're not only there with you, but truly leading it, then the accountability to it is something that you're going to see in every next thing you do for the company. If your leadership isn't inherently asking, does that embody our purpose? Is that living our purpose? Can you see and feel our purpose in that? Then it's going to be so much harder to try to sustain. Is there um, a metrics to measure it? Like, is there a return on investment that, you know, that you've seen when companies have a clear brand purpose executed every day uh, and kind of go out to the market with that? Yeah, it's different for different types of businesses. But what we look at here is number one is recall. So awareness and recall across the organization. Um, And I'll talk more about how you get to that in a moment. And then there's the impact it has um, to the outside world. Um, So is that the ability to attract more people in in terms of talent to your organization and retain? Is it customers who want to do business with you? I, I, you know, I think, um, The stat I heard recently was 83% of people in a post-pandemic world say they care about what the companies they do business with or choose to frequent, um, what their purpose is and what they hold themselves accountable to. So based on your business strategy, you can absolutely can and should set out your key performance indicators before you even begin of will people know what it is? And how does it matter to them in terms of either choosing to work for you and with you or do business with you? I think, and so how you, I think you're going to discuss like how is it used in a, as strategically as a tool? Yeah. Right. So when you want to drive that recall and familiarity inside the organization, one of the biggest um, dangers in a fast changing world is you you come out with this purpose, right? It's this wonderful realization of something that's so inherently true about about your organization and your business. And you say, ta-da, here it is. And then you go on to the next thing. And so when we did it here at Accenture, we, we, we created a program that was a multi-year program and we called it Launch It, Live It, Love It. And so, you know, to launch it is, is only one little thing, but it's very easy to get focused on that moment. But then you have to start living it. So if you believe that this is truly at the heart of how you do business, how do you intentionally call out every time you are living your purpose? You over-index on it almost, Arthur, right? Because you really want to focus on it. And then the third stage is affinity. That's when it becomes so natural that people can't help but call it out and use it naturally in conversation. And that's not a short-term commitment. That's a long-term process. Um, that you use. So the the process to come up with your purpose or recognize and realize it is is a significant commitment and takes significant time, but so is the ability to launch it and truly live it and make it part of your culture. So so it starts with a kind of a brief, almost like a mission statement. Uh, and then you got to say, okay, how does this play out when we're working with vendors? How does this play out when we're training sales associates? Is that what you're talking about? It's like Throughout the organization. Exactly. Training's a great example. We were recently working with an outside team and talking about a very specific training program. And they said to us, oh, we know your purpose is to deliver on the promise of technology and human ingenuity. Let's call that out. Let's show because you are using both 
technology and human ingenuity right now in this moment. And that makes this training and learning process even more, you know, custom fit to your organization. So I loved that they were aware of it. They saw it and they challenged us to to integrate it. So um, it absolutely applies to to training and to uh, and to vendor relations, as you mentioned. So, OK, so um, you have the brief statement. Um, it's kind of put into the daily practices and business decisions um, and your active listening. So you have do, do you go back to that brand purpose? Say, OK, uh, we're doing this, but we're hearing this. But let's readjust. Does that play into this? Absolutely. And the question is, what are you adjusting? Right. So there's two ways for active listening. Number one, and the most the most frequent in my experience is you start seeing your purpose everywhere in a really, really good way. And what you have to do is have the discipline to point at it every single time and think about channels like social media and the ability to call out. That's what I call, you know, delivering on the promise of technology and human ingenuity to recognize that in 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 training and onboarding new employees, et cetera. And then the other part is when you're not, when you're doing something that's kind of contrary to that purpose to make sure everyone in the organization is empowered to raise their hand and ask that question. Um, sometimes it's about a degree of dialing something in. And sometimes it's a really fair question to say, this feels, you know, this feels contrary to what we stand for. What, what are we thinking here? What are we doing here? What, how do you, um, this is more from the perspective of the consumer. How, how do you create a messaging or a narrative of your brand purpose that doesn't seem like what everyone else is saying or doing? Yep. That's a really, really good question. So when you go back to your business strategy and your unique value, that's why you can't do one without the other, Arthur, that if you know there's something special about the way you exist in this category, the way you create a moment for a customer, you have to make sure your purpose is as close to that point of difference as possible. What enables that differentiation? And we know some categories have greater differentiation than others. Um, but being able to, to really tie it back to that and see it in a way that is unique to you, sometimes it's just the phrasing um, that makes it very special to you. It sounds like you, um, you know, this is this is when you have a really well-established brand, you know what your brand voice is and your purpose, of course, should should be a perfect, a shining example of your brand voice in action. My my daughter, who's a teenager, you know, I can't lie to her because she sees through everything. Um, so if I had a brand purpose, it has to be authentic, too. That's another dimension of it, right? A hundred percent. You know, that's what I loved about this this process. Hello, I've been in marketing and communications my whole life. Sometimes you're really going down a road and you're falling in love with a phrase or a sentiment and they go, yeah, not really. And when you're you go back to your people and go, if that's the case, then why isn't this true or why do we do this here? And that's when you have that moment. I'm going to go back to the C-suite's involvement. You can say, hey, guys. You know what? We do believe this is our purpose, but we actually have created an experience for our people or or something for our clients or customers that actually is in opposition to that. And a great brand purpose makes you go, then we're going to fix that. We're not going to change the purpose. We're going to fix the 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 experience that's that's in opposition to it. But just like your daughter, 
the people who work for your company every day, they absolutely know what's authentic. And if you listen to them, then you will make sure that that brand purpose is authentic and they will then inherently live it for you every single day. So so as Accenture, as, as a company, right, you have over, uh, you know, half a million employees. How do you embed that purpose into the that workforce? Like, what's the process like? We have such a gift here at Accenture. They do it for us. And all we have to do is allow that. Um, I remember, Arthur, when we launched it, the ideas that came back to us for launch were so beautiful, so culturally varied, but spot on. And we celebrated every single one of them, like almost like a festival. It was really beautiful. Some people wrote songs. Some people had their children talking about our purpose. There's just such connection to their interpretation of it. Um, so we we did that first and foremost. The second thing that we did was we looked at everyone's role and asked them to articulate what is their unique mix of technology and human ingenuity. And we had a fun technology enabled device that let them create part of our logo is the greater than symbol, right? They were able to create custom greater than logos that showed their kind of view of technology plus a picture of themselves to represent the the human segment. And then we did other things like we um we updated the way we look at our case studies, our client stories and credentials in a way that showcased how did we deliver on the promise of technology and human ingenuity. And we invited our people to tell their stories. I was on this project and this was what this was our um, out the human ingenuity and technology we brought to bear for this client or this community or this situation. Um, so really putting it back in the hands of our people who are so creative and so entrepreneurial and so varied in terms of their perspectives, it gives the purpose such breath. It's, it's incredible. So, so as a retailer, um, I think the first step is you have to acknowledge that, you know, the old ways of figuring out brand purpose uh, can no longer be applied. Uh, I, I have to recognize that I need to update it and I need to uh, get help. I can't do it alone. Right. Yep. And, and, in, in retail, I think specifically, there's that customer participation. And, you know, uh, retailers know it better than everybody. They're, there's a beautiful co-creation of their brand every single day with the customers who frequent, who frequent retailers, the way, they, um, the way they review or share or experience or refer. They're constantly creating that brand. It's a community experience. So back to your point, point about your daughter, right? Um, if you're, those customers will know in two seconds if that purpose is real. And if they believe in it, they'll prove it for you every single day, just like the people of Accenture prove it for us every single day. And be on the lookout for that. See it, recognize it, and celebrate it with your people. And um, every time you do that, it adds more life and more of that authenticity that's so critical for a true a truly centric, you know, centered purpose. And um, what relation? I, this is. I just thought of this while you were speaking. Um, what relationship does a brand attribute, and how does it differ to a brand purpose? That's one thing. And then the second part is it has uh, brand purposes. It have to be consistent through every channel of communication, internal and external. Right. Yep. So let's take on the the first part first. When you look at your brand and you're able to characterize your brand, right? What are those personality traits or attributes of your brand, including voice? 
as the purpose is being explored, that should be a constant checkpoint. And so just as much as the purpose has to represent the business strategy and how you create value as a business, that's the look and sound like you part. So it's different than an attribute, it, but, the, but it, must be, um, it must express itself in a way that is true to your brand's attributes and your brand's personality. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say um, uh, for the second part of the question, the um, you know, how does it kind of, um, I guess, how does it how does it play out in practice? Yeah, so that um, we're really rigorous about the use of our purpose. We look at every single message we're going to the market with, and we say our business strategy, our purpose, and our brand are all there. They're almost like precursors to whatever message, activation, or moment you're taking on, the, um, the repetition and the rigor behind that is what will keep you true to your purpose. It's that live it phase. So if you, right. it sounds silly, but just having it in that message hierarchy on the page of your creative brief keeps you continually accountable to it. And, and it has to be consistent. That's like, whether you're speaking to somebody, whether you're having a meeting, whether it's a social media post, it has to be embedded in that. It really does. And, you know, back to the whole beginning of this conversation, I think people crave purpose. So if there is a right. void there, they will fill it. Your customers will fill it. Your employees <laughs> will fill it. Different parts of your organization will fill it. Um, you know, if you're a retailer, one store over here will fill it with theirs. So being able to share it makes it so much stronger. Um, then everybody filling in that void. And it's a great thing that people want it and crave it and therefore will fill that void. But it's an even greater thing when you have a shared experience that's tied back to that purpose, no matter where you are within the organization. So so uh, thank you so much. So as we wrap up, I got just one more question for you. It's kind of a personal question, but you work in a, a very demanding creative field. So what do you do personally to kind of stoke your own creativity? So... Um, for me, creativity is highly tied to movement. So I am committed to moving every single day. You know how it is, Arthur. We all get stuck at our desks. We all get stuck. And there's all different kinds of stimulus and stimulation. You might be listening to a podcast or reading a case study or, you know, having a conversation like you and I are right now. But for some reason with me, it will be when I'm on the bike the next morning or out for a run or taking a walk that the ideas then have a chance to pop up. It's the only time my brain seems to go blank and then ideas just, just Jumping. flood in. So my, uh, that's something I'm committed to. I protect it. I protect that time every single day. And I also recognize that that is when I am at my most creative and sometimes most thoughtful. So I tend to have, um, either a, a, a sticky pad really nearby my, my bike or my phone available and it goes right into the notes, the notes app on my phone. Amazing. It's, it's a good habit to get into. I have a notebook uh, by my bed. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. It actually wakes me up and I'll jot it down. It's the only and way, then, right? You'll, you'll get back way. to sleep is knowing that you put it on paper. Yeah, I have to process it and, you know, okay, we'll work on this tomorrow. Jill, thank you so, so much. This is really good. Uh, thank you, Accenture, for uh, hosting the series, uh, the uh, uh, it was just great. It was, it was fantastic. I had a really good time. Uh, Jill, we'll see you soon. I ho hopefully, um, maybe in person. Maybe when we get through this post pandemic period, well, uh, things will go back to normal. 
I look forward Absolutely. to that, Arthur. Thank you so much for, for doing this with us. It was a great experience and thanks for having me today. Ready, reset, grow. Accenture helps retailers around the globe embrace change to seize the future. Learn about the five imperatives of retail's responsible reset and how leading retailers are partnering with Accenture at Accenture.com forward slash retail. Hey, welcome back to WWD Voices. I'm Arthur Zakowitz and I'm with Evan Clark. So we, uh, yeah, we just wrapped up our uh i guess a series that it was it was fantastic it was the uh, retail's responsible reset series with accenture and we had 10 episodes and maybe a bonus episode or two and it was just a really great experience we're going to continue to do um these podcasts uh, in the future but I, I think this series it was very strategic smart you know we kind of thought of different guests to have on and uh, it was a lot of fun but evan what did you do you think what was your impressions you know, it, it's great. It was a great opportunity really to kind of during the it's hoping that's the tail end of the pandemic, but um, to really like stop and think on how, you know, this corner of the world retail and fashion has really changed over the pandemic. And as I look back over all the various episodes, one of the things um, I'll call it a couple. One of the things that really resonates with me is that there are really amazing people with lots of experience and lots of, you know, being very innovative, very creative. And they're dealing with this incredible complexity and this kind of outrageous chaos right. with a real, with a real calm, yeah. you know, you, you, we, we spoke with Dennis Millay, who's chief yes. supply chain officer over at Macy's, you know, and I think it might've been, it was sometime in November in the middle of the whole supply chain crunch, you know, when, when, retail everyone macy's everyone's rushing to bring stuff in from overseas to stock the shelves and you know it just really struck me how calm he was you know how how just he, he he's we've got big there, there's there's all these challenges and to kind of take the world take that complexity and boil it down into addressable kind of items and really tackle it and and you know macy's certainly got it done retail delivered for for christmas which uh I think so. I think that and is is one great example. Another one uh, we spoke with um, Valia Carboni, who's the chief digital officer, technology officer over at VF, and she has a background in financial services and is kind of where that is an industry that was entirely disrupted by digital technology, you know, twenty years ago, and now is she's kind of bringing that experience into all the nuance of AI and machine learning and all of this like understanding data and putting it to work. Another just very complex set of challenges. And it's just completely, you know, we're calm, we're in charge, we have a plan, you know, we're not going to do everything right, but we know what, you know, it, we're moving forward and we've got all these ideas and this is how, you know, and I just really think that that's a, a, and a just at this moment in 2022, as we're, kind of if people start going back to work and maybe the world gets back to normal of, you know, we have this capability to handle big, complex challenges in really difficult times. And the industry is doing it. Yeah. And now we, you know, it, it, it can keep doing that. I, I think uh, that was the first episode, right? We had Chip Berg from Levi Strauss and company uh, with Jill Standish, uh, our guest host. And it's, it's exactly 
uh, I mean, it's exactly what Chip uh, said, right? It was, you know, it was you put in this kind of, um, you know, heated environment with a lot of pressure, and and you had to keep it cool. You had to uh, put things into practice, like empathy, right? He, he mentioned that. I thought that was interesting. Um, as everybody's working remotely, how do you keep going? How do you keep the business going? And be a leader that is is not going to kind of falter. And if you make a mistake or you have to like correct yourself, fine. But but it was a, it was a real test. The pandemic was a real test, and the learnings from that uh, I think is is really what's what's interesting and, and will be lasting in this post pandemic period. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think we're you know we, we've really set the you know the the title of the podcast series was you know the the responsible reset, and we really have reset things uh so you know the the sky seems to be the limit uh but we all have to make it happen the industry still has to make it happen and we have to follow it what what stood out to you arthur i i liked uh, i really liked um nancy um mahon from the sd lauder companies uh she she came on she was talking about um it was inclusivity and sustainable beauty and she really stuck with me is the it's a process has to be a daily process right that you know, it's from the top down and from the bottom up, right? You can't just, you know, you know, try it out for a while and then move on, right? It's got to be in everything you do. And so I thought that was fascinating. As a matter of fact, um, you know, this episode that, um, you know, we just wrapped up now with Jill Kramer from Accenture, uh, it's exactly that. When, when you talk about, like, brand purpose, it's the same thing. You got to, you know, you got to have it embedded in everything you do, and it has to be, you know, real. It can't be, you know, fake. It can't be something that's just, oh, this is our purpose, and it's 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 on our website. There you go, right? So I thought that was really uh, fascinating uh, to understand. Like, well, it, it takes work, and has to be part of your business decisions. And then I, I think it, um, you know, uh, Nancy's episode really dovetailed nicely with um, Thomas Berry. Remember from Farfetch, you talked about right, right, uh, ESG, right? I think I believe. Yes, um, that was you know that was this, this kind of the same messaging that it's again it's a practice it's not something you know thirty years ago if you had a corporate social responsibility if it was a it was like a policy because you thought it sounded good and then it was the thing to do but nobody really put it into practice now you really have to do the work so so that that was those kind of conversations were really fascinating for me but my my favorite absolutely my favorite episode was. Uh, we had uh, Jaron uh, Bloom, who's the group president of retail at Michael Kors um, for retail stores. And yeah, Jill was on that. Uh, Jill Standish was on that episode as well. And uh, Karen, uh, Jaron, I'm sorry, was so <laughs> energetic and energized. And the one thing she said that really stuck with me was she said that success of the future of retail lies in its past, meaning that the, the people, the physical store, the relationships that store associates have with with customers, their expertise uh, and servicing and helping those customers is what's going to make retail succeed in the future. So I thought that was really interesting. Right. No, that's that. It's very much. This has been a time about connecting the past with with the future, whatever that you know. We're we're at that link right now. So yeah. So the uh, so what what happens next? That's you know as I think about all these episodes and the learnings and the, and the, the takeaways. Uh, yeah, it, it's you know resetting the reset. Let's call it the great reset of retail. Is is uh, it takes some heavy lifting, <laughs> you know? And you got to like, you know, it's, it's a top down. Everybody has to be involved, uh, bottom up, uh, and we have to, uh, yeah, you have to have a, a clear vision that um, 
you know, you, you have a role in this, in this, uh, in this market. You have a purpose, you have a brand purpose, you have a product that consumers want, uh, and you have relationships, you know, with those consumers that you go to nurture over uh, the long term. So, right. No, I think also you, you touched on earlier on authenticity. You have to be all and, and that is wrapped up into purpose. And I think, uh, really what the, one of the big unlocks of the potential here is that we, this is all happening um, while the nature of work is changing and how we're working and where we're working and what it means to collaborate and, and how all that happens. So I think, you know, we're going into this hybrid future now for the white collar workers are a lot, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing that and, and we're adding that component back in of in office work of being connected, of having more face time and that will retail in the store is always also changing with different kinds of automation and all sorts of different things. So I think now we're going to be seeing that the retail world is going to be seeing that on both ends. Retail is working differently, but then they're also going to be catering to people who maybe are home on Fridays and Mondays and have more time to run out to like grab something from the store. You know, does this change? You know, so, so this ability to think on your feet, to take complex issues and handle them and, you know, and, and tackle them very forthrightly, but effectively is, is going to be applied to a whole new landscape. Uh, and, and I really don't know, you know, where we're going, but I think it's going to be somewhere good. I think it's going to definitely be interesting to watch. Well, well said uh, with that. I want to thank you, Evan. Thanks for, for co-hosting with me. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you, Arthur. It's been thank great. Thank you, Jill Standish, uh, for being our guest host. And uh, thank you, listeners, for, for joining us uh, for these episodes. And stay tuned for more.